On the web, you can check us out at dawnofmantis.com. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon. Now, on with the show. Fuzzy's Night Club. Matt, this is Billy. With, uh, um, yeah, Billy, Billy. Billy and the kids. Billy and the kids. That's right, my band. Yeah. So listen, I told you, it's just not going to work out so, here. Uh, no, look, give me a chance this time. You got to give me, dude. I've been calling you for two years. Come on, man. Well, we one were... thing you've never done is sent a demo. Uh, well, we don't have one yet. Yet. I mean, you could get a tape recorder. I mean, and send a cassette. I mean, those are not just laying around anywhere. Yeah, they man. are like Goodwill. They're laying around. Well, listen, man. Look, look, I got something even better. Do you want a live personal performance like right now? Yeah, sure. I'm doing payroll. You got 30. You got like five minutes, man. Oh, sweet, sweet. Okay, okay. Hold on. Let me let me get my guitar. Jake, come over here, dude. Help me. Hey, 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 what's up? Hey, man, listen, listen, let's do. We're going to do a song. They're going to let us play a song from over the phone. Let's we don't do have this. any songs. Yeah. Well, yeah, we do. Don't shh. Shut up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We'll do that one song. All right, here we go. All right, go ahead. Love, 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 love. Love put me in this place. You, 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 you. Hello. Listen, listen. Oh, he's there. I've got to tell you boys something. Yeah. That might be one of the greatest songs I've ever heard on the telephone. I knew it. I knew it, man. So, right, here it you. is. The going rate's 150. Be here Wednesday yes. night. All right. And remember, right. the check needs to be for 150. Quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Dawn of Mantis, episode 16. Sweet 16 is what I'm going to say. 16 candles. So you can check us out on dawnofmantis.com. We now are a .com owners. Uh, One time I was reading and I noticed that, or I read that at one time, 85% of all words in the dictionary were a .com. Um, I might be wrong on the 85%, but I remember reading and thinking, wow, that's a high percentage. That doesn't surprise me at all. So you could put in, you know shoelace.com and they probably sell shoelaces don't do it though no it's not shoelaces for christ's Ooh. sake don't do it i try beg it. of you try it and see what it is sure um so 
here we are on episode 16. Uh, we do. We now have a Patreon, and we only have one tier put on there. Oh, are you sad tier, about tier. something? Tier, tier. One tier. Um, and it's it's just a simple, and if we get someone cool, if we don't, that's cool too. It's a simple $2 a month thing, and we're about to start adding some content that you're uh, that you will uh, have access to, and those things will be we ha- we're have we're not going to announce everything that's going to be on that yet because we're still kind of formulating that. But we talked about doing some after episode talk, just a you know brief little episode recap, and like I put in the website or on the Patreon, if our if our our podcast is PG, our Patreon extra content might be PG thirteen slash R. We might cuss a little bit more. Oh. Ship. Ship. Oh, no, they didn't. Yeah. No. Anyway, also, uh, we talked about maybe doing, um, there's a few apps that I have on my phone that are really cool, and we can plug those later because um, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but you can find them as well. Improv apps where it gives you like different scenes and different scenarios, different things to try to impersonate. Um, as I was telling Joe earlier when we were doing the setup skit, um, I've already exhausted my. Um, all my voices. <laughs> so I'm just re, but you know, it's a big move now to recycle. So I'm recycling my voices and it's using better, the same ones. Better for the environment. Yeah, recycling yeah. voices. And it's not really upcycle. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be that. But anyway, that's, you know, I'm going to talk for 30 minutes before Joey even says hi. Go. That's fine. I'm here. You just do your thing, man. I'm going to, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm a fly on the wall. Okay. Anything new? Uh, no. Press, pressing news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, yeah. I don't know. No. I was trying to do the breaking news. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> sounded like the, uh, what's that game show when you get the thing wrong? Was it Price is Right? Oh, bum, probably. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, yeah. That's what you just did. My whole life's kind of a... <laughs> so, yeah, that opening skit there, you know, that, that cuts a little close to the core, doesn't it, when you think about it? Yeah, so, but I will say that when I was in a band with you before, we did send out press kits, and every place that we wanted to get in, um, it seems like we got in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Now, there true. were a few that we gave press kits to that we were like, ah, we don't really care if we play there or not, and we didn't get in because we weren't persistent with it. But the ones where we called them back and we said, hey, what about that? And they're like, hey, yeah, it's pretty good. Come on out. You mm-hmm. know? So... Um, so we weren't total losers, just almost. Well, here's the deal. The, and you're definitely not now. The no, the band that we were in for, what, six or seven years? We were together, let's say, seven years. Uh, and we practiced a lot. A lot. We drank a lot and practiced the a water. lot. But we only, we only performed a handful of times. Sure. And that is, now that's, Ivan did his due diligence, and he was our booking guy. He made the press kits. He did really good. We played at some pretty pretty damn cool places, I actually. Uh, but the main thing back in that day was I suffered from crippling stage fright. That wasn't the that wasn't the big problem. I don't know. I just remember always being reticent to play. I think we were ready to play, and we played well when we played live. The problem is, I know, is yeah. remember uh, there Jim Carrey when he was the Joker or the Riddler? Sorry. Um, that someone will butcher me for that. Now let him. Anyway, Sorry. he was with Harvey Dent, and they were going to kill Batman. And he said, "Don't kill him, or he learns nothing." Right. <laughs> so, um, I learned something. Um, I don't know what that has to do with that, but somehow it works. I promise. <laughs> on some 
plane of existence. <laughs> that is a seamless reference. That All right. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Of course. Anyway, I did learn something. Okay. Um, you have to be established before your originals matter. Yeah. We were all original. 100%. And we, we, we didn't want to do a cover. We thought we were too cool for that. Um, we wanted to push our original stuff. And you either have to be really phenomenal and have something cutting edge that people haven't heard before, or you have to kind of work them in and get, you know, signed and then you go on tour. And then when you're on tour, people want to hear cover or people want to hear originals. Right. Cause you're an original band. But when you're playing where we played, <laughs> they, they don't want to. And you know what? Yeah, I wrote this about my grandpa. <clears throat> yeah. Looking back, I feel so bad for the, cause you know, we played some bars and people you want to, they want to dance to what sure. they know. And for the next hour, hour and a half. And this is another one I wrote. Oh, do you remember when we were at George's? Yeah. I mean, okay, so another band played before us. I don't care. People might not care, but this is a funny story. It is kind of funny. A band played before kind of us. Sad too, though. We were supposed to go on first. It's actually hilarious. It is hilarious. Though. It's fine. And uh, but the, uh, another band played in front of us, so it's like free drinks. So we just sat there and drank pitchers for an hour until this band was done, and then it was time for us to go on stage. And I remember standing up there. <laughs> I, it took me like maybe a full minute and a half to plug my guitar in because I'm like, oh, it's hold on. Oh, it's there somewhere. Um, so anyway, <laughs> halfway through the show, you know, like anyone cares, but I'm like, this next song I wrote about a friend of mine who died of cancer. And for reasons that to this day. I can tell you exactly why. Tell me why. Tell him why I laughed. We both looked at each other and cracked up. Well, I la- I smiled first. Yes, because here's and I reacted here's, to you. Here's the way. Here's the way I thought of it in my <laughs> in my drunk mind. <laughs> I thought it's because I I I knew you for a long time at that point, mm-hmm. and and we were great friends. But to me, if I was a fly on the wall, if I was just someone in the audience, I would think that you were trying to pull at my heartstrings, <laughs> like you're you're you were. It kind of sounded like you were trying to con the audience to get them on our side. Yeah. yeah. Like, so it's not going so hot. So <laughs> here's, we wrote this about my friend that had cancer. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, just win them back over. That's what I was thinking. I was like, someone's going to think that you're trying to win them over. It's true. <laughs> it was a true story. Now we're laughing about it. Ha. Huh. But it's not funny. <laughs> but the situation's funny, not th- that situation, but the the situation we were in. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's why that's what made me smile first, because I was like, man, they're gonna think this guy's a jerk. Yeah. You know. But you know, I knew I knew better. But anyway, did you? No, I, I did. Kidding. Did I ever tell you that before we went up on stage, I needed to sober up. We all needed to sober up, mm-hmm. and so you know, I was like, what is gonna make me sober up immediately? So I stepped outside in the alley and I called my mom. Did I ever uh, tell you that? No. Yeah. I didn't. I, I called. My oh, mom picks up. Hey, mom, it's Joey. And it, it worked to a degree. Yeah. I mean, because it's your, you're talking to your mom. You oh, know? yeah. So, so part of me was like, oh, ship shape, you know, and, and it helped a little bit, but maybe not enough. But I talked to my mom and said, hey, we're about to play. I love you. And just for a minute. And oh, it probably didn't cool. work as well as I I'd wanted no, it to. No, that's awesome. <laughs> thought it would scare I remember, me. I never forget. I'll never forget going to the back after that to get our money. And it was this guy. And these guys defy gravity. They have a cigarette in their mouth <laughs> that's sticking by like, you know, a micron of skin to cigarette butt. Yeah. And it's like, and as he's talking, it's kind of flopping around and he's like, yeah, you boys are good tonight. The only thing is you're going to need to learn to 
play some stuff. The honors. He what? He wasn't really redneck, no. but he sounded redneck because he was trying to hold that cigarette in. <laughs> I don't know. But he but had good advice. Play, stacks play of some cash. It, it was just like you'd see in a movie. Stacks of cash and like smoke everywhere, yeah. and the whole place was kind of messy back there. And we had long hair and mustaches. <laughs> Let's just say that. And we made a little bit of money, I guess. Which was the first and only time ever, I think, in our band's history that we made a little money, right? Yeah, it was that's true. The, time. It the, was just... the other times we were like, we'll just play for free. We yeah. don't even care. We're just happy to be here. Yeah. We'll pay $150. <laughs> yeah, and another thing that's funny, when you know, in that skit when you were talking about, oh, get a cassette player or something. Do you remember <laughs> the one and only time that we recorded a song and we sent it into a radio station? Oh, yeah. And they played it. They did play it. And uh, they actually now to our to our credit, the DJs really liked the song. Yeah, we didn't know who they were, and they I will never forget one of the guys said, "I really like that polyphonic ending because we did this weird thing at the end where it kind of faded out." But and and their advice on the radio was, uh, you know, great song. We actually really liked it. Not bad, guys. Uh, the only thing we can say is, don't be afraid to go into the studio. Yeah, because we didn't record, so it was kind of like recorded it on like a. Like a computer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it wasn't bad, but you no, can tell. You it can was, tell. It was a good quality demo, but not. It was like a demo trying to sound like a studio piece. Right. Yeah. So they complimented us and then gave us some constructive criticism. Which well, hey, we're not we're, we're not you know techs recording techs. You know, no, we're not no, we're not. well, you are basically. No, I don't know, you man. I mean, I could probably do something now better, oh, yeah. but yeah. it would still be. You could still say, ah, oh, kind of sounds. Always saved produce, you know. Always save. Yeah. Always save sound, sound studios. Why is their album in a yellow jacket with a red line down the middle? <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, what are we talking about tonight, Ivan? We're talking about Connie Converse, the disappearance of Connie Converse. Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> I did no research. I just heard you talking about it earlier. That's fine. Because that's, you know. I, I at least I know what the episode is this time. Normally, I'm asking you. Well, yeah, and it's funny because yeah, I'm holding on the notes and I ask you, yeah. but we're gonna do. You know, I'm gonna read a little bit, and then Ivan and I are gonna are gonna bullshit for a little bit, and that's uh, is that the format? If, that's the format. If you've ever heard this show before, you know. Yep. So there that's, you go. That's it. So I, if we ever we haven't got a comment on our website yet or on anything, but I think the first one is gonna be. Oh, it takes these guys thirty damn minutes to get to the episode. Uh probably, but you know what? <laughs> it's fine. We're having fun. <laughs> All right. So the disappearance of Connie Converse, Elizabeth Eaton. Connie Converse was born on August 3rd, 1924 in Laconia, and that might be Lasonia, who the hell knows, but I think it's Laconia, New Hampshire, and she grew up in Concord. She was born into a strict religious family, and her father was a minister. She was a bright, talented, and articulate young lady and did very well in school. In fact, she was valedictorian of her graduating class at Concord High School and also won eight academic awards along with a scholarship to Holyoke College in Massachusetts. Connie would indeed attend Holyoke, I'm sorry, uh, but after two years of studies, she would leave college for New York City, a move which definitely upset her strict parents. However, this would only be the first of many decisions that Connie's parents would not approve of. And this is just a fact that no one cares about, but Elizabeth Eaton, I'm wondering, uh, my dad, I think I mentioned this on another podcast, because I only have four stories and I've told them all, but way back in the day, I'm talking like back in the 30s, Frank Eaton, Pistol Pete, hmm. the mascot for OSU. Mm-hmm. He was a real dude, Frank Eaton. He was an outlaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was he a sheriff? There's a really big difference. I should probably check my history there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, know I don't the think he was an outlaw because I don't remember him ever. 
you know, to any historian or anyone who knows shit about history listening, I apologize. He definitely was a dude in the Wild West, though. Okay, yeah. Uh, this is no lie. My granddad, Earl, mm-hmm. he dated Pistol Pete's daughter, one of his daughters. Elizabeth. Wow. I still ha- I have a very old black and white photograph of her picture that she had given to him. And then, uh, I, and then I inherited it on the back. It says Elizabeth Eaton. Oh, that's awesome. 1930-something. And yeah. yeah, they actually dated for a little bit. And I used to have a picture of Pistol Pete and Elizabeth, but I don't. I think that's been lost yeah. in the ether. But yeah, that's some crazy, yeah. crazy news. But I just wonder if that Elizabeth Eaton converse, if that was like some sort of, that has to be a coincidence. But Eaton is a super weird middle name, isn't it? Unless you're naming it after her or something? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Spelled the same in everything. Yeah. All right. Carrying on, though. That's only the first of many derailments I'll throw in. No, that's to this. <laughs> that's fine. That's what that's what our our podcast is. It's oh, exactly. The, we talk about something and then we derail and go. This is should, the ADD. We podcast. should have some kind of yeah, some kind of name like that instead of Donna Mantis. It should be like derailment, the derailment hour. Okay, change of formats next episode. <laughs> no, let's not do it. Once in the Big Apple, Connie secured employment at Academy Photo Offset Printing and the Flatiron District. I really like their stakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when not focusing her energies on being a political activist and artist, spent much of her time writing and playing songs for her friends and acquaintances. See, you mentioned the political. Um, A lot of artists, I would go out on a limb and say in the 20s, 30s, 40s, were political. If you think about um, Woody Guthrie, um, a mm-hmm. lot of his things were social, political commentary in a song. Um, I just wonder, I've, I've always kind of wondered this, is it so when times get bad and and it, it's hard for people to make ends meet, does the music become more political? Because, you know, that's basically, you know, some people are like, well, I don't like talking about politics. But there comes to a point where things can get so bad, everyone's going to be talking about politics because those policies basically can eat into our quality of life if they're terrible enough. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of wonder, you know, hardship brings the best music. Yeah, so I mean, look at the 60s, you the know. Tons. Yeah. And like, well, and one of the things I thought about uh, as far as hardship uh it brings to fruition good music, the blues. Sure. Rhythm and blues. Sure. Out of the, the Delta and all that. And when you're talking about political songs, it's never good. It's never like, well, we passed a lot of good bills today yeah. and everybody's we got happy some way. representation <laughs> that meets our needs. Right. It's always horrible political yeah. states that, you know, in turn produce these good. Well, I know a lot of them weren't like, especially in the 60s. I think every smelly hippie with a guitar was like, you know, oh, Nixon. Listen, dude, you ain't fixing <laughs> nothing around here. It was just a lot of terrible stuff. Because I think because the human condition, it's this old guy told me this one time, and it's kind of stuck with me. Um, I try to think really rational and scientifically, but I'm just like a human like anyone else. Um, someone said, whenever party A thinks that they know what's best for party B, um, and they push that on them, bad things happen. Yeah. Because they're like, well... It's for the best. Yeah. You know, now good things can happen too. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, we know what's best for you. 
Exactly. And that's a great thing to write a song about, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So anyway. No, I wish I had some good examples of those old nugget. protest songs. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff back there. <laughs> so uh, Connie, to the bemusement of her parents, also took up smoking and drinking as she seemed to dive deeper into a bohemian, starving artist-type lifestyle. Throughout the 50s, she lived in several places in the city, such as Greenwich Village. I think it's Greenwich Village. I'm sorry. I'm a slack-jawed country yokel over here. Greenwich. Greenwich, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hell's Kitchen and uh, Harlem. This is also where her friends and co-workers started calling her Connie, and eventually she would drop Elizabeth in favor of her new nickname. It seems like this was just another step in her transformation from an overachieving academic, prof- uh, not professor, pastor's daughter, uh, to a chain-smoking, whiskey-sipping, bohemian singer-songwriter in the mm. big city. Cool. Yeah, she was certainly living the lifestyle. It kind of reminds me of Bill Hicks. Yeah. Only in the way that whenever he decided he wanted to become a comedian, he he had never partake of any drugs or drink before. But in his mind, you know, he looked at Carlin, he looked at Pryor. He's like, "Well, I want to live I want to be a comedian. Part of that lifestyle is to partake of this stuff." So he started drinking whiskey, he started eating mushrooms, you know, he started he he talks about it in his bits. He's got a lot of good stories about eating fr- uh, five dried grams of mushroom mushrooms in the desert. I sound wow. like I've been drinking. I'm stumbling over every yeah. damn word. But five grams of mushrooms in the desert. That <laughs> sounds like Mr. Haney kind of from Green Acres. <laughs> How does that always happen? Uh, but Connie's music stayed mainly within her own circle of friends until about 1954 when cartoonist Gene Deitch, and that's D-E-I-T-C-H. So would that be Deitch or Deitch? Ditch, Deitch? Let's say that. Let's go with it. Became interested in her music. She'd been performing for her friends at dinner parties for a while and was popular, but only in her small circle. Jean would make the only surviving recordings of Connie Converse, a 37-minute long session in which Connie sat in Jean's kitchen and played 17 of her songs. The recording has a very stripped-down and earthy feel, and both friends can be heard bantering between songs. Jean became a fan and an advocate of Connie's and helped her land an appearance on the CBS morning show with none other than Walter Cronkite. Mm. This must have uh, sparked a huge surge of optimism, uh, but sadly, the appearance failed to garner any further interest in her music. By the way, the entire, it's called How Sad, How Lovely, that 37 minute long, uh, it's on YouTube and we'll play a couple of sure. clips here in a minute. We should, uh, dawnofmantis.com. We'll put it on there. There you go. Nice plug. I got <laughs> used to doing that. I'm not used to it yet. I'm not trying to make any money. I just want to give people what they want. There you go. You're like, hey, I'd like to find that. That's where you can find it. Um, but it would be her one and only live television performance. And I, you can't find it anywhere. I looked everywhere. Can't find it. I guess it wasn't. I don't know. No clue there, but it would have been awesome to be able to see that. Well, so... Part of the moon landing, the original footage was taped over. You're so, kidding. So, to set up what you're saying, I mean, first off, moon landing never happened. <laughs> Government hoax. Proceed. It was made in a studio. You can see, you can see the wires, and they nobody bounces up like that after they kneel down. Anyway, go ahead. I'm up. Hands are up. Not saying nothing else. I know I'm a simple guy, but I know converging shadows. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, just to. You know, what you're saying, like, stuff gets lost. I mean, even really things really things that people know are super important yeah. can be taped it over. It was taped lost. over like what would it like? Yeah, I don't know the whole story. I just remember reading about it one time that part of it was taped over. 
What if 20 years later, Buzz Aldrin has the copy at home? He's like, oh, Alf's coming on. <laughs> One small step for, hey, where's your cat? <laughs> Yo, Willie. Oh. I like that show, by the way. Me too. It didn't It, it didn't get the justice it and I thought it deserved. Very underrated. No Academy Award nominations for Of course, Alf. I. but wait, I haven't watched it recently, so I don't want to say that. I'll watch it recently, and then we'll talk about it. Oh, so let's talk about, just really quickly, derail. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, I was already working on derail. I mean, I was throwing boards and stuff under the, under the wheels. <laughs> so I guess it was last weekend. We're all hanging out at the house, and, you know, we're flipping through. We're scrolling through Netflix because we want to Netflix and chill. Right? Yeah, yeah. You have to. Hashtag Netflix chat. <laughs> and we see, in the army now, Polly Shore. Oh, yeah. And Jess is like, oh, man, I used to love Polly Shore. And I said, as did I. Let's select this movie and watch it now. Hey, that sounds like a wonderful idea. You know? How could that end? I figured out. Poorly. That, and I like Polly Shore. Bless his heart. Whatever, I, I saw him on a talk show not too long ago. He's a really nice guy. He is. He was on Rogan's podcast not yeah. too long ago, too. Yeah. Really nice guy. Uh but did you realize, I didn't realize at the time, but all he did during his movies was just walked around being Polly Shore. Mm-hmm. I don't think there were scripts. He was just like, <laughs> whoa, yeah. ah, sorry. That's just probably ah, what ah. he was told it to was do. Just, yeah. Oh, and at the time it killed. Yeah, Huge. sure. Sure. But now, uh, <laughs> and he even said on Rogan's podcast, he, he was like, I miss being in movies, but the weasel thing, people got sick of it, you know. <laughs> And I remember at the time, like watching Biodome, like oh, this is the Encino, funniest. Encino, Encino man. Oh, Encino man was amazing. Yeah, maybe at the time. I'm afraid to go back and watch it now. I'm scared. Yeah. I mean, I like it either. You probably shouldn't. I think I did a few years ago. But it was, it was just Polly Shore giggling and kind of just making weird comments for 30 minutes, and finally we were like, well, let's let's watch something. <laughs> I don't know. This about was that. a bad idea. Yeah. I'll. Why did I let you? So choose? you know, to everything, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> there is a season. Turn, turn. turn so turn. I mean, yeah, that had its time, but now it's not its time anymore. No. Nope. So we'll carry on. We're gonna get it. I'm gonna get it back on the rails just for a minute. Throughout the rest Go of ahead. the '50s, Connie continued to write and perform her songs, but grew more and more disillusioned and frustrated as it just didn't seem New York was offering her the opportunities she once hoped for. Uh, even a performance. Of Connie's work by folk singer Susan Reed at the Kaufman Concert Hall failed to stir any further optimism in her music. Now, the final straw was when Bob Dylan showed up in Greenwich Village in 1961 and gained almost instant recognition recognition and success. Richard Nixon. (laughs) (laughs) Where did he mention him? He gained almost instant Richard Nixon and success. Connie had come (laughs) on the scene a decade earlier, arguably the first folk singer-songwriter, and here everybody was losing their shit over Bob Dylan. Mm, Yeah. I could see. I could see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But never before in history had anyone heard someone go, I've mentioned this before, and I forgot what I was even talking about. I love Bob Dylan, I'm kidding. But um, to me... If if someone has a certain sound and and they convey feeling through that sound, their voice doesn't matter so much anymore. If they convey that emotion, they're trying to convey in that song. And I think we heard a perfect example of that in the beginning of this show. We did. Love, 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 love. love. <laughs> that was that's a good. You know, it wouldn't that wouldn't be a bad song if it didn't do love so many in you so many times? Like at its core, it's not a bad song. 
Okay, we need to. It'd be a fluff track in a in a twelve song album. We need to finish that song. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was this same year that Connie Converse decided New York City was not the place for her. Her brother, Philip, was a professor of political science at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And this is where Connie decided to move to get a fresh start. Upon arriving to Ann Arbor, she first got a secretarial job before eventually writing for and becoming managing editor of the Journal of Conflict Resolution. Hmm. Did you know that was a thing? The no, journal? I did not. It is a peer-reviewed academic journal covering research on international conflict and conflict resolution. That sounds like a very worthwhile jur- journal. So you can look at, is it like examples of, or like um, like studies of conflict and resolutions? I don't know, but it sounds like something I would not understand if well, I were to read it. <laughs> uh, nor would I. Uh, By all accounts, it seems that Connie thoroughly enjoyed this work. However, it's reported that her smoking and drinking habits both increased throughout the 60s. Also, it seems that after leaving New York, Connie basically stopped songwriting altogether. Another curious circumstance was Connie's love life, or lack thereof. According to those who knew her, Connie never had a romantic relationship in her entire life. Not one. I don't know why I had to type that in. Not one. Not one. Not even one. Her, her brother Phil and friend Jean have both suggested that she could have been gay, although they have no solid evidence on which to base that assumption other than a hunch. You know that, and she drove a Volvo and listened to the Indigo Girls. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. That was so stupid. No, that's okay. No, I love it. I love it. I, uh, you know... It's a joke, people. It's a joke. Like Alf, they were also underrated. Exactly. I think. Like lesbians are? No, like that band. No. <laughs> lesbians. No, 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 no. I was saying they were underrated. No, it's good that you thought that. That's hilarious. The Indigo Girls, is that, that who you meant? They were underrated? They, they kind of were. That I thought makes they, more I sense. I thought they were really good. Okay. Yeah, Ivan's like, you know, lesbians should get way more credit. <laughs> Then yeah. they do. Yeah, they should. I don't understand that. Yeah. All right. So, dear God, back to <laughs> a devastating blow came in 1972 when, unbeknownst to Connie, it was decided that the Journal of Conflict Resolution would relocate to Michigan, uh, from Michigan to Yale. She did not take the news well. Am there was I... probably conflict over that decision. <laughs> do you think that was they how probably they resolved, resolved it? Though. <laughs> Sorry, now it's just kidding. <laughs> Redonkulous. By the following year, Connie was burnt out and depressed and relying on alcohol and cigarettes more than ever. Her friends and ex-co-workers were so concerned that they pulled enough money together to to send Connie on a six-month trip to England. I hope that if I ever get depressed, Ivan, you rally up some people and send me on a six-month trip to England. It'd be kind of different now. I mean, it'd be pretty expensive now. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't cheap then. Well, that's I, I, true. I don't know. That's true. But anyway, yeah, they did this in hopes that she would find a renewed sense of self and come home a happier person. Um, I would call you from there on like the day I needed to come home and I'd be like, oh, I'm almost there. Still not feeling On it. the verge of a breakthrough. Could you pony up maybe two more months? I'm sure someone's done that I didn't before. get to see Stonehenge. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here all this time. It was right down the road. I never went to look. Oh, even this didn't seem to work, though. And neither did another trip that she took with her mother to Alaska. It seemed like nothing would pull Connie out of her dark place that she was in. And this was made only worse when she was told by her doctors that she would need a hysterectomy, which devastated her. So for whatever reasons you might want to point to, maybe her failed music career 
the loss of her job, the lack of any real romantic relationship, her inability to feel like she truly belonged, or maybe just an inherent sadness that seems to be built into some people, Connie Converse decided to up and leave. In August of 1974, Connie wrote goodbye letters to several family and friends, informing them of her intentions to start a new life somewhere else. Not, see, a lot of people, it gets dicey here, where I'm going to read it here in a little bit. It, it could be suicide, uh, but not necessarily, because she never says that. It just sounds like the people can be in lots of different states of mind, and it sound like, sounds like that hers was she just wanted to completely divorce herself from her past completely. I'm talking friends, family, everything, and just completely disappear to another place and start a new life, Comple- you know, totally fresh. Mm-hmm. How many more times can I say completely? Yeah, no, that's that paints the picture. But even in these letters, she was poetic with such lines as, quote, let me go, let me be if I can, let me not be if I can't, end quote. In the letter to her brother Philip, she enclosed a check with a request that he continue to pay her health insurance up to a certain date, after which he was supposed to cease payment. The letter also contains some incredibly poetic yet cryptic lines like, and this is right, this is, this is pretty, pretty good, human society fascinates me and awes me and fills me with grief and joy. I just can't find my place to plug into it. And another was, since then... I have watched the elegant, energetic people of Ann Arbor, those I know and those I don't, going about their daily business on the streets and in the buildings, and I have felt a detached admiration for their energy and elegance. If I was ever a member of the species, perhaps it was a social accident that has been canceled. Wow. Yeah. She was deep. That's why she was a good musician, you know? That's why, you know, some of the most intelligent artists... The deepest are like that comes with a price a lot of times. You don't get that kind of inner reflection, like self reflection, and without without a price, it comes with a price. Well, you know what I mean, some have said, I say some because I can't remember who said it. Um, that's a cover for me. That depression is when you're seeing the world as it actually is. Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't have some kind of um, hazy cloudy happiness empowering you to make your every day to day um life awesome so you're just seeing things how they are like just a long trek towards the dirt nap <laughs> be sure to subscribe to our patreon dawnofmantis.com <laughs> no but seriously um and and to go back to my um comedic idol norm mcdonald he said that he went to a psychiatrist one time and they said well you just you you probably gamble to get your mind off of death and he said isn't that why you do anything (laughs) (laughs) isn't it weird i mean it's just a part of the human condition we all know it's inevitable and I like to think of it as this. Think of think of like you're 200 yards back from a cliff that mm-hmm. drops off mm-hmm. 2,500 feet. And you know those little wind-up chickens or whatever that just walk real slow. Mm-hmm. But you wind that up. Let's pretend you wind it up once. It's like the Energizer Bunny. It never stops. You wind it up, and you set it down, and it's going... Yeah. And it's only moving like it takes it four or five minutes just to move an inch. 
but it's just moving it's and it's going just towards moving. the cliff. It's inevitable that that will walk off the edge of that cliff. It's there. It's out there. Every second you breathe, every time you blink, every morning you wake up is one morning closer to when That's you're no true. longer be on this earth. But it's, I guess, there's no way around it. So it's it's like a lot of people kind of just we have to we have to put it out of your mind. Sure. If, if it was on your mind all the time, yeah. Oh my God! Well, you like, probably lose you know, your mind, don't you think? In a way, it needs to creep in sometimes. Like it needs to creep in. It needs to remind you, like, hey, you know, you're wasting this little section here. Oh, it creeps you, into my mind a lot. Yeah. So a lot. Um, you know, there's. I have my go-to things that I think about. One thing was actually oddly enough, um, it wasn't Larry King repeated it, and I forgot who he said said this, but he said that somebody was looking at a picture of his mom and dad and his brother and sister. And he was the youngest in the, in the family. And that was a picture of him before he existed. And he said, well, I'm looking at that picture and that's a happy picture. Everyone's smiling. I don't exist. Everyone's smiling. So, I mean, there'll be a time after I don't exist. So, and it kind of helps me not fear it. I mean, I'm, I don't welcome it, but I'm not, I mean, I guess I am afraid in a way. Everyone's afraid in a way, but I don't. It's not debilitating fear, because it's it's a it's a nothing. You can't fear a nothing because you won't be there to experience. So it's like you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm if if that makes any. Well, sense. no, it's like the scholar who said. I didn't exist for billions of years sure. before I did, and I didn't know, nor did I care. That's right. So it'll be the same after I'm gone. That's right. But it's just the fact of, yeah, being here for just such a short time. Let's say you get 80 years yeah. out of this. And, you know, that's another thing. I, I, I guess I just have kind of a morbid mind because I think about this a lot when, I, when I'll see an elderly person, even someone that's like, I mean, 65, 70, even older than that. It's going to be, they have to really be living in a, in, at a level where they just are not thinking about what's coming. Because sure. if you're 70 years old, like right now, if you went to the doctor and he said, listen, you have some sort of yeah. medical condition and you only have four or five years to live, yeah, you would freak out. But every elderly person on earth knows they only got a few years at best. Yeah. I mean, they're in, the, That's true. they're in the autumn of their lives. And it's just, it's a testament to mankind, I guess, that we can somehow kind of put that to the side and just continue living life and For the now. mowing the yard and acting like everything's going to be okay when you know you're not going to exist in just a few years. Yeah, because it would be totally easy to just be like, well, it doesn't matter. Nothing yeah. matters. If people thought about it too much, then like after age 70... Quality of life for everyone would... If if more people thought that way, quality quality of life for everyone would, would suffer. Oh, yeah. Because there'd be all grasshoppers, no ants. Yeah, I mean, it would just be it would just be a terrible society. Um, you know, the another thing I like to think about too is, um, I kind of lost my train of thought, but kind of like we were saying before, like you can't fear a nothing, and to be stressed out about that. Oh, here's what I was gonna say. I have a friend that died at 15 years old, 16 years old. Um, he had a kind of a rare cancer and then died. And I, sometimes I think about him because, you know, we get depressed about something stupid. It's like, Hey, you had like 20 more years than me. Yeah. It's like, what do you, you know, 
you know, you're still going. Yeah. I would gladly be alive again and have like yeah. a financial oh, issue I would, for a minute. or I, yeah. I could be alive and drop the carton of eggs and ruin my new shoes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, did that happen? Mm. Oh, sorry. But you're alive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's such an easy thing to think about. The human condition doesn't let us think about that. But at, at, in the moment, we can get a little stressed out. But, um, you know, Jeff Foster, um, kind of a life guru, life coach that I, I don't talk to personal, personally, but I read things that he yeah. he writes. You've quoted him before on Yeah, him. He, he says, like, <clears throat> be be angry in the moment. Let your anger flow. But just know that it's you're going to be angry in the moment and everything's fine. And accept that. Um, be happy in the moment, be sad in the moment, but you know, you need to live your life like that. You need to experience all those things and not just be this monotone creature that doesn't, that doesn't let themselves live. Yeah. You know? So, um, but I think spur, you know, like in the moment, yeah, it's okay to be mad and, and sad and all those things. We can't just say, well, you know, we're, at least we're alive all the time. But the time when that really rings in is when nothing's happening and you're at, you're left alone with your own thoughts. That's when those thoughts need to come in. I think you're yeah. like, well, okay, you know, I have this, I have this, I'm alive. I've had all this time. I've, this has happened to me, you know, my wife and kids, you know, all these things, you know, dude. Yeah. And you hit it right on the head when you said, uh, you know, an idle mind, Mm-hmm. And and I've really had to get good at this because, you know, my job for the past 11 years, oh, yeah. 40 hours a week, every week, 52 weeks a year, I'm by myself. I'm the only one that's there. I go in, I mean, literally see no one for eight hours, and then I go home. And, you know, I found out way early on, there was a short time when I first started working there, I didn't, I didn't want to. I was like, this is not good. Uh, but now I embrace it, you know, and, it's, yeah. and if someone stops by, you mo- most of the time I'm kind of looking at the clock until they leave because I just I really enjoy being by myself. But Are you afraid of being with yourself? <laughs> Maybe I was in the beginning. I mean, I, that, you know, really, I I'll mean, tell you, I, I'm, I probably would be, too, at first. Something like, that saved. I don't want to hang out with me all the time. No, but I'm telling some one of the things that saved my sanity was discovering podcasts. Sure. Uh, cause music does so much, you know, but I'm telling you, there would be a time I'd be at work and there would be nothing going on. I would just be working, no one to talk to, nothing, no earbuds in my ear. And before I knew it, I would have dredged up something that happened 10 years ago and I would be so worked up, you know, I'm like, you know what? Screw that son of a, and then, yeah. and I would almost catch myself like, whoa, you know, what in the hell? That's not good. Um, you have to make sure that your mind doesn't go to those negative places. I need to practice what I preach more. But, you know, about, Jesus, it's probably been six or seven years ago now, uh, I discovered podcasts and started listening to those. And Rogan was one of the ones, you know, maybe the first ones that I started mm-hmm. listening to. And he had, he would have a lot of, uh, like, self-help people on there and just stuff that started focusing my energies to more positive places. And that's when yeah. I started like doing keto stuff and running and, and you know, all this Sam Harris would talk about meditating yeah. and Sam Harris is dude, awesome. it probably saved my sanity finding uh, podcasts. Yeah. And, and you turned me on to some of those too. I mean, cause I wasn't really listening to podcasts back in the day either. Um, you know, you know what I like about Rogan uh, just cause we, you know, you brought him up. He's almost like a, a kid that just like, he just wants to, he, you know, kind of like my kid, like my kid, you set him down in the living room. He's like looking around, he sees something new, walks over to it. Yeah. Hey, what's this thing? Grabs it. Yeah. Wants to look at it, wants to hit it on the floor and like 
make see what what is this thing? Yeah. Like he he's like that about everything in life. I'm super jealous he's not, of him actually. He's not so he's not so well, we're gonna just talk about UFC, you know, every day because that's my thing. UFC's my thing. Yeah. Like his thing is like everything. Yeah. That's what I love about that guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like I said, I get I'm almost envious of him. Yeah. And he'll get on guests that he doesn't agree with and he, you know, he he can disagree with them in a civil way, and that's that's pretty rare today. Yeah. People shut out, and and I'm guilty of that. Totally guilty of that. Like, oh, they're just an idiot. They don't think the way I think. You know, obviously, rationally, I I don't think that. But when you get in a heated arguments, like you know, you just want to you want to cut them and make them bleed, like right. in, in the conversation. Yeah. Like you can't do that. I mean, everyone, everyone, every place you go knows something that you don't. They they know more about a subject that you that you think you know a lot about just because. You know, they've experienced it or they've read about it or they've, you know, they lived it, you know, like I said, well, I did that twice, but you know, so you can learn something from anyone. So you, you, you've got to, um, you've got to keep your ears open for sure. And whether you like Rogan or not, you got to give a guy credit who can sit down and talk for two hours one day to Steven Pinker. And then the very next day, talk for two hours to Ted Nugent and still have a full (laughs) conversation. Yeah. Sure. Interesting and both. You can't get any yeah. more opposite than that. But yeah, anyway, I couldn't interview Nugent for that long. We just became cheerleaders for Joe Rogan for some yeah, Like well, the guy needs help. He's just, got like 50 you know, trillion. <laughs> hey, you know, if we were in a band, you'd, you'd before a song, and you are in a band, but before a song, you'd be like, hey, we're going to play Tom Petty. He was a huge influence when I was a kid. You'd give them props. Yeah. At, so we're doing a podcast. We can give props to somebody that yeah. that, that does this. The way we would uh, strive to do it. I mean, just the the quality, and he is quality. And while we're at it, last podcast on the left. Sure. My yeah. absolute number one favorite yeah. podcast. Yep. Um, S- Sam Harris, like like we said before. Uh, Marcus Parks, Ben Kissel, and Henry Zabrowski. Yeah. Super funny dudes. Now you're going to go listen to them and forget about us, but that's okay. That's, that's okay. Great. You we can will. listen to more than one at, at, at a time. No, you actually can't. Not simultaneously, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> So back to, hey, remember we were talking about? What were we talking about? Okay, so after sending the letters, Connie packed some belongings into her Volkswagen Beetle, and she drove away. She was never seen or heard from again. She was just 50 years old. Her friends and family were left bewildered by her disappearance, and there were few clues as to what happened to her. A few years later, someone contacted Philip and told him that there was an Elizabeth Converse in the telephone directory in Kansas, but the lead was never pursued. Which I think that's a little weird. I mean, at least... I'm surprised he didn't, but he had gotten the letters kind of, you know, of her saying, look, I'm, I'm going to take off, leave me alone. So I guess if you're just going by her wishes. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I don't want to be quick to say, oh, he's a, he doesn't care, does he? But I, cause I think he did. I think yeah. I mean, you just, care. you just never, I mean, you just never know why yeah. people do what they do. It's weird. Cause you know, and it's he, not always malicious or stupid. No, yeah. I bet. You know what? That's what people want to jump to most of the time. They want to jump straight to the negative, just anything to kind of like, oh, screw that guy or whatever. Yeah, I so. do that, and then oh, me I, too. I just and did. then I think about that I did that, and I'm like, man, come on, yeah, grow we, up. We can grow be, up. We dude. can be better people. Yeah, we can. We can be better. We can. Um, but, <laughs> but you know what? Having said that, he did uh, about ten years after her disappearance. Uh, Philip hired a private detective to try and find out his sister's fate but no trace of her was ever discovered. Uh, but after seeing the letters and having some time to reflect, Philip told one interviewer, quote, I have to say, after I sized up the situation, 
I was absolutely convinced that she was going to do away with herself at the earliest opportunity, end quote. Uh, Philip then added that he believes Connie would have accomplished this by driving her car into a lake or river. Oh. So was there a search? Uh, not that I know of. Okay. Because, um, I mean, you would think there would need to be, but where would you start? Yeah, you know? she had a vehicle. Where, and yeah. back then, you couldn't look at surveillance cameras or, you know, uh, at pole, uh, just toll booth. You yeah, know, they take photographs through there, mm-hmm. and I mean, this was seventy four. Yeah, uh, sometimes I wonder, my God, like back in those days, it's How a wonder. They solve anything, anything, anything. Yeah. Like John Mulaney says, of course, he was talking more like uh, about in the fifties, but he was saying back in those days, if you weren't still there when the cops showed up, you got away with <laughs> yeah. it. Like that's all. You just had to be gone. <laughs> I do know from my vast viewing experience of TV, like. If you see a dead body and a knife, don't like squat down and pick up the knife and be like, what happened? Because someone's going to walk in the door. Freeze. Yeah. He had the murder weapon. No. How many shows I've seen where they're like, I guess some writer was like, oh, hey, I get this idea for the episode this week. You know, not that we're (laughs) much better writers. It's never been done before. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll have our protagonist. He'll be holding the gun. Yeah. When the cops walk in, and then the whole rest of the show, he's trying to get out of that. And then people are watching, are going to be like, don't do that. You're not guilty. Yeah. They're going to think you're guilty. Yeah, it's going to end up in court. <laughs> then why was he holding the gun over the deceased? <laughs> yeah. I just picked it up. Yeah. You know, did this did this gun or knife do that? <laughs> gun? Dead. Gun dead? Oh, I bet they were shot. If and it's hard to put yourself in this place if it's never happened, and I know it hasn't. It doesn't happen to very happened many people. to me four times. If you, <laughs> you're a serial killer, sir. <laughs> if you found four I dead never bodies, it up. <laughs> but if you found, I can imagine if I found a dead body with some sort of weapon laying around it, I can't see myself picking up the weapon or yeah. going anywhere near the body. No, I mean it would be like, well, you'd have to. I mean, I'd just take a selfie with it, and I'd be out of there. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> um, you'd have to be sure the person was, was dead, but um, yeah, other than that, be like, hey, 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 poke no. him with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> poke him with a knife. And <laughs> 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 that's when the cops walk <laughs> Just see <laughs> <take, laughs> if he's dead. That's all. <laughs> I made a weird laugh noise right there. This kind of like, is, that, is there a goose in here? Is Joey Lawrence in here? Whoa! And why were you stabbing him? Well, I was poking him to see if he was dead. <laughs> well, that was how he's killed. Yes, but it wasn't. It was different for me. I met well. I, I met well. <laughs> oh. Hey, I, Ivan. I love that too much. Hey, hey, Ivan. Go. You want to hear about her legacy? <laughs> Go. <laughs> I'm trying to get this back on track, man. We have one man to thank for the continuation of Connie's work, and that man is Gene Deitch, or Deitch, or Ditch. Not only was it he who initially recorded that demo of Connie in his kitchen back in the 50s, but he would also be the man who, albeit 50 years later, would finally bring her music to a national audience. That's Gene. awesome. 
It is. It is yeah, he's it really, a hero, really. Without this guy, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. No one would know who the hell yeah, she is. Yeah, but was. I'm sure she has, like, diehard fans. She probably does now. Because of this guy. Yeah. I like, can somebody, think about this. Things aren't going great for this person. They put on their Spotify, put their headphones on, if, if it's on Spotify, <laughs> and they play those tracks. Yeah. That is <clears throat> the magic of music, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, you know what? While we're at it, I'm, I'm going to just go, I'm going to play a little part of one of her yeah. songs right now. Yeah, it's a perfect time for that. Um, the, the album I segued is, into it. Yeah, you did. The album is called How Sad, How Lovely. But this is probably one of my favorite songs. I've listened to the whole thing through a few times at work. But this song is called uh, Talking Like You. And you can hear her. It's very just hanging out. You can hear her and Jean talking. So yeah, and in between songs, he and uh, Gene and her just kind of talk a little bit, and he'll say, "I really like that." What was that about? And you hear people in the background. It's you know, it was very yeah, just impromptu. Um, but I really want to put into perspective. This was in fifty uh, four. Did I say? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there were just not really singer songwriters. Duke It's very different. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. I don't I don't know when that song came out. That was just my best guess. But I'm just thinking of that type, that type of music that came out then. And there was there was awesome songs that came out then. Um, you know, I love Buddy Holly and of course that was in the late fifties. Yes. Um yes. but as far as just singer songwriter and especially a woman, uh, just singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. I don't know why my dogs are hopefully the you can't hear the dog barking on here. That kind of takes away from but anyway. Uh, it's okay. Um there was just that was just not happening as far as I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she was really in a league all of her own and, and singer songwriter period. I mean, there was no James Taylor's, there was no, you know, there was no Bob Dylan's until 61 either. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, it just seems, it just seems really early. She um, was ahead of that. her time. Yeah. And I would suggest to anyone, you can purchase this now. I think it was, uh, oh man, a light in the attic records or something like that. Now that may, that may not be right, but anyway, the song is now available for purchase, um, and you just might have to Google that. A better... oh, so, so I'm not off by a lot, but 1962 was Duke of Earl. Oh, okay. Well, that's close. That's very so, close. Gene Chandler. So I'm just, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm ignorant on that time of music. I'm, you know, I, I listen to a lot of 70s, 60s Beatles stuff in 70s. So I'm really, I'm, I don't know that era, but it doesn't seem like there would be a lot at like that at that time you know i i like uh elvis presley and buddy holly and uh some others are like sam cook and uh little richard and you know they call the wind mariah yeah, yeah that's a good song. <laughs> I, I love that song but that's you know that's starkly different really when you compare it to miss converse you yeah. know yeah yeah i think so but yeah so uh 
we have one man to thank for the continuation. And I said, as I said, that was Gene, Gene Deach. I'll just say that and butcher his name one last time. That works. But yeah, he recorded her initially. And then 50 years later, he would bring her music to a national audience. Now, Gene, who had left New York and been living in Prague since 1959, was contacted by New York music historian David Garland and asked to prepare, or I'm sorry, to appear on his uh, WNYC radio show called Spinning on Air. And Gene agreed, and he played a few of Connie's songs that he'd recorded on reel-to-reel tape decades before. Uh, the two began listening to the program that day. Two people, I'm sorry, that were was Dan Zula and David Herman. And they were both intrigued and set about tracking down the rest of Connie's original material. In March 2009, How Sad, How Lovely, containing 17 songs by Converse, was released by... La Durette Recordings, I guess. That same month, WNYC's Spinning on Air broadcast uh, an hour-long special about the life and music of Connie Converse. Host David Garland also covered the mystery of her disappearance and read some of her letters. Now, this is straight from Wikipedia. Now, I want to give credit there. But uh, it says as follows. uh, Converse's life and music have served as the inspiration for numerous contemporary artistic works, including a play by Howard Fishman, who also produced the album Connie's Piano Songs, featuring music written but never recorded by Connie. Other works inspired by Converse include the modern dance piece Empty Pockets by John Higginbottom, uh, which was performed at the Miller Theater in 2015, British singer Nat Johnson's Roving Woman tribute performances, as well as tribute performances by Converse's music, of her music, rather, by Jean Rowe and Diane Cluck as part of Spinning on Air 25th Anniversary Special. Um, in 2017, John Zorn's Zadik Records, I hope I'm saying that right, released the album Vanity of Vanities, a tribute to Connie Converse, featuring new recordings of her songs by a wide array of performers, including Mike Patton, Karen O, oh, and Lori Patterson. And if anyone uh, out of those, Mike Patton uh, was the lead singer of Faith No More. That was like his yeah. most famous venture, but he's been in a lot of other things. Um, and the last thing I'm going to read, this is in closing, and this is from consequenceofsound.net. Converse's music is simple, honest, and utterly devastating. A steadfast acoustic guitar accompanies poetic lyrics, the two colliding with her clear, naked vocals to turn each song into the kind of lullaby that keeps you up at night. In some ways, they sound like sonnets set to music. In We Lived Alone, Converse chronicles her contentedness living alone, taking inventory of the lovely solitary objects in her home throughout three verses. In the fourth, however, she shifts direction. And it says, I quote, I had a job. My wants were few. They were until I wanted you. And when I set my eyes on you, nothing else would do. Nothing else would do. And that's by Tony Converse. Yeah, so if you're wanting to find her, a lot of people are Spotify fans. There you go, uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Spotify Premium, you can select your songs, or you could probably play a playlist if you don't have the premium. Um, now we're plugging Spotify for free. <laughs> um, anyway, um, there's 18 songs on here. Um, oh, 18, okay. Yeah, yeah, so it looks like the most popular um, that you could check out first is called Talking Like You. Talking Like You, Two Tall Mountains. Yeah, that's the one that we played a snippet of. Yeah. So that was my favorite as well. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like from there, uh, Johnny, wait, well, no. I have considered the Lilies, Playboy of the Western World, How Sad, How Lovely, like we talked that's about That's a before. really good one, yeah. Roving Woman. So, yeah. Um, 
So yeah. thoughts I just on... Really, I just really looked at it to see a picture of her, too. So yeah. uh, we'll post some stuff on uh, our website. Yes, as we um, always do. Yeah. So, so what's uh, what's your opinion as far as what happened to Miss Converse? You know, there's not enough there. there. I mean, uh, I don't think, obviously. Well, there never is, or else it would be solved. Um, I don't know. I hate to even say suicide. Um you know, I could see her. It sounded like she was melancholy enough. Just some people get melancholy, but mm-hmm. some people that's their idea. Yeah, sure. Just, that's where they are. They have up times and even lower times, but they just kind of idle on melancholy. I think that was what kind of person she was. I mean, she would definitely get in that category of like someone pretty brilliant that, um, you know, very melodic and poetic and, you know, one of those people that are kind of um, cursed in a way, um, but they're also gifted. Yeah. For some reason, that reminds me of Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was a brilliant orator. Yeah. And he was just incredibly intelligent. Um, but, you know, I had seen interviews with him and, and read material where he, you know, he drank quite a bit. And he said, you know, he was... Oh, it seems like to me he was almost so intelligent that he was just kind of over everything. Oh, and he said, yeah. I drink to make people interesting. Yeah. You know, without that, it's just, it's too dreary. Um, so that kind of reminds me of that. But I could definitely see her being at 50 years old. Um, it's a little, it's a little surprising that she kind of took a go at music in New York City. And, you know, a lot of people don't a lot of people most people don't make it right off the bat not mm-hmm. everybody is pearl jam or whatever where they just they get together they record a song and then everybody loses their shit and then they're just the biggest band ever yeah you know the next year um and same with nirvana i could name a bunch of even nirvana though had two or three albums out before never mind yeah. but anyway i digress I well digress. the people that people that deserve to make it sometimes don't it's just the way it is. I mean, I would say a lot of times it's don't. timing, 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 and it's exposure. The right person has to hear it. You've heard it all, la di da, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So, um. I. But you know what? Um. If I take a step back and I think about this, I'm. I'm like, even if she would have made it, it. It doesn't. Obviously, we have the, the people we can mention to prove it. Obviously, it doesn't fix everything. I mean, um. You know, she wouldn't. It does, there's no guarantee she'd still be around if she would have made it, right? You know, um, it's just like the like I said, those brilliant, gifted people that have this, you know, have this thing that everyone wants and that everyone flocks to. Um, they're just, you know, we would say brilliant. They would say cursed because they're seeing the world in a different way, and they can't get past that. Kind of, uh, I think about for some reason it has nothing to do with it, but. Uh, Doug Kinney. Um, oh yeah. You know, I think about National Lampoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's one of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, just uh, course drugs um, definitely have something to do with that. Um, was it Chevy Chase that said that he didn't think Doug Kinney committed suicide? He think he, he thinks he slipped uh, as he was trying to find a higher place to jump. From. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. Was that Chevy Chase that said that? But I, I don't know. It's really good though. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. In closing, great episode. I hope that um, that's that's. Gonna, I'm gonna add that to some of my play, playlists, and I hope that uh, somebody out there does the same because uh, 
you know, it's definitely cool. And, and it pops up when you're having a barbecue and Hey, who's that? And someone can say, Hey, I know a little bit about Connie Converse and yeah. be a good discussion piece. And it's, that's, it's too bad. She didn't kind of experience the same thing that Rodriguez did, you know, searching for sugar man. Yeah. He is still alive as far as I know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a very Great documentary, a really good do- Yes, yeah, Searching for sugar man. So if anyone is curious enough, um, it's about six two Rodriguez. So he was around. I think he he was in the seventies, and he was like, imagine if Bob Dylan could sing really well. Yeah. So not taking any away from Bob Dylan, I love Bob Dylan, but this he was very much in that same vein. Um, just amazing. I mean, you're mm-hmm. the one who turned me on to him. Yeah. And I turned around and I bought his album, and uh, I've I've wore it out. But one of those again that that you can just tell that he's just just someone that's really laying it out there. Yeah. He's just, the songs have substance. Um, he talks about being fired on Christmas and sadly that's when his label cut him. Um, so one of the guys even mentions like, yeah, it was the saddest thing. You know, I'm sitting there listening to a song is like, man, we, we fired that guy on Christmas. Just like his, his song was saying, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, that's just a little snippet. Uh, it's on Netflix. At Still this, you see, I keep plugging things for free. It's fine. It's it is fine. on Netflix though. Okay. Uh, I noticed that the other day. I thought so, that was yeah, kind of cool. He basically cut, I think, only a couple of records. Two, yeah. Uh, Cold Fact was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I think the other one was self-titled. Yeah. But then he basically faded into obscurity for quite a while mm-hmm. um, until he was kind of rediscovered. And it's just sad. You know, it would be nice if, if Connie Converse could have could have uh, came out of obscurity. At least, and listen, it's not about, and I've said this before on another episode, I think, but a lot of people think that an artist wants to get recognized so they can get famous and be driving Lamborghinis and snorting Coke off hookers and just all this, uh, just, no, it doesn't have to be about just all want people to hear sin their... and excess. Yeah. You, when you, when you release a song or when you let someone hear a song that you set down and you put pen to paper and you wrote down your thoughts and then you picked out a melody on your guitar that you liked and you put all this work into it and it's, maybe for some people it's not, but for me, it's you're kind of bearing your soul there. Sure. And all a lot of people want is just some validation, you know, just for some, for, for it to be well received is just validating. Oh, okay. Well maybe, wow. People like this, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not that bad. That's well, what a lot of people are craving. And, and like, you can be like really good with numbers. So you become a banker and then you work your way up and, and you have a really successful career in numbers. So if you're a talented artist, you're really good with music. I mean, you would hope that you would get to the point where that would support you and you'd, you'd do really well in that. So yeah. you're just wanting what the banker wants with the numbers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're just wanting success doing what you love. I love. I, I, I want to say this was Louis C.K. If not, let's just say as some comedian that I saw had a funny observation about stand-up comedy. He's like, stand-up comedy is a weird job because – if you're not that good at it, then it's not even the thing that it is. <laughs> like, if you're not even good at it, it's not even the thing you're trying to do. That's not comedy. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It, it becomes something else. Uh, Seinfeld has a bit about Firestone tires. He's like, uh, so those tires came apart and killed people. Uh, comedy's not like that. If I told a joke and it killed somebody, I'd be done. <laughs> Something like that. But anyway. Oh, that's good. And no, no disrespect to Firestone. They came through that very well. This was, that was a long time ago. I think you'd have to be in our age group to even remember that. When that yeah, was yeah. Thing. So they delaminated and and um, yeah, their tires flew apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So there we you go. We should do a podcast on that. It's a, yeah, maybe we will. The rise and fall and rise of <laughs> Firestone. Oh, anyway. so episode 16, uh, actually episode 28 total, if you want to count our first season quote. Oh, unquote, that's true. Yeah. Of where on earth is. But yeah, so we dipped back into, I don't want to say true crime because this was just a disappearance, but... Uh, it could have been. It could have been. So, should I plug the next episode? Yeah, sure. Because we've talked about it. Do you want to do that one we talked about? Uh, yeah. So, um, I had this crazy idea to on live on a podcast. It won't be live for you, but it'll be live for us. Um, to um, create a company, build build a product, and decide all these things. And I've and I've listed out all these things we have to decide. Uh, I won't tell any of those. I won't give those away. But basically, we have to come up with all these things, and then by the end of the episode, we have an idea for a company, and it should be fun. Um, it'll never happen because I'm not I'm not business minded like that. But you know, if we had to call the shots, how would we call the shots? And you don't know about this, but I have a surprise section at the end Ooh. to where I'm going to put you on the spot and give you some uh, scenarios that you're going to have to solve in our future. Uh, company that we'll never do. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm already feeling so, the pressure. Build, I think I call it build a business. So that's next. Build, build a, a business. business workshop. Now the build a bear. Coming next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so like I said, check us out on dawnofmantis.com. We have a Patreon now. We're trying to get legit and official. Um, hey, you know, I have a Twitch idea. Uh, should we talk about that? Just yeah, for go minute? ahead because I like this. Um, so uh, let us know if, if you can, if this is a terrible idea or we should do it. We're thinking about live, when we get in the new studio, we're talking. We're thinking about live, live streaming on Twitch, the podcast, so you can uh, actually hear the podcast before we've cut it and it's just in its uh, form. And then we're thinking about having a chat open to where as we're talking, uh, um We'll look at it, and if it's something relevant, you know, hey, you know, that's kind of like this. We can bring it in, and maybe you, the listener, can help make our podcast even better by throwing out little tidbits. Or be, or maybe you can do that thing that you probably would love to do is, no, you said that, <laughs> and that's wrong. Uh, you know, fake, fake news. But anyway. Uh, Alternative facts. Yeah, that, oh, that's true. So anyway, uh, that's just one more way where we want to make it a little bit better. And uh, we're kind of putting ourselves out there. You can see our ugly mugs. Um, but anyway, sorry in um, advance. that's an idea we have. If it's a terrible idea, like I said, go to the website, message us, the contact us at the bottom and let us know uh, what you think about that idea. A uh, few people do it. It's not very many. Twitch is mainly for gaming, but there is some a section called just chatting. That's where the ASMR ladies are. Um, not that I know, but they're there. Um, they're like, now I'm in your left ear. Now I'm in your right ear. Yeah. Uh, we could do ASMR. Now I'm going to eat a pickle. Is it AS? I think that's what it is. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to eat a pickle. That took a long time. I know. I know. It's like, I took it. It's like a double take. It's a philosophy pickle. Oh, yeah. So, Miss Converse. If you are still alive and listening, which she'd be 94, so it is possible, even though with her drinking and smoking that we read about, maybe not. She probably listens to podcasts. I mean, <laughs> but uh, thanks for the music. And uh, what if someone, in, what if we had a con job from a someone and be like, I'm Connie Converse? They like call us. Ooh, that would be. Uh, We'd be incredibly skeptical. I would just roll with it. As long as someone called that sounded old, I'd be like, that's that's her. This is amazing. <laughs> we just we just like, you know, 
we're just like so naive. Yes. That reminds this was going to happen. <laughs> that reminds me uh, when we did the episode on Ben and Glessie High. No, Glenn and Bessie High. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long night, people. Yeah, the canoe. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, so many years after their disappearance, these several older ladies would show up claiming to be Bessie uh, Hyde. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and obviously they weren't. Well, one showed up, uh, said he was um, Billy the Kid back in the, what was it, the 20s or something? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I wonder, we could do an episode on that. We sh- the cool. skit at the beginning of that would be a guy showing up now being like... Um, I'm John F. Kennedy. Uh, sir, you're 30. He was older than that when he died in 1963. Oh, you might want to check your math there, Sonny. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see you next time.